Blog Talk Radio. I fight you, I fight myself, I fight God, just tell me how many burdens left, I fight pain and hurricanes, today I wept, I'm trying to fight back tears, flood on my doorstep, life's a living hell, puddles of blood in the street, shooters on top of the building, government aid ain't relief, earthquake, the body drop, the ground breaks, the poor run with smoke lungs and scar face, who need a hero, hero. you need a hero, look in the mirror, there go your hero, who on the front lines, the ground zero, hero. my heart don't skip a beat, even when hard times bumps the needle, mass destruction and mass corruption, the souls are suffering men, clutching on deaf ears again, rapture is coming, it's all prophecy, and if I gotta be sacrificed for the greater good, then that's what it gotta be. All right, all power is to oppress people, African power to an African people, and black power to your brother and host, Chairman Yang and Kuma, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. Coming to you again on another Sunday, my Sunday, in fact, and <clears throat> excuse me, I always enjoy being here on the, you know, on the Sundays uh, and having this opportunity to spend time with the people assisting me, like always, who is invaluable, our National Director of Operations, Sister Seven. Absolute greetings, family. No doubt, no doubt. So, talking about this week, talking about the black intelligentsia. The black intelligentsia. And, um, you know, like every week, I like to go into a little bit of what brought on the whole, what sparked the inspiration or what brought the the, uh, subject matter up or the topic up. And this time it was just in a conversation, some of it partly with the National Director of Operations, some with other people, excuse me, some with other people, um, just talking about the direction of the movement and why the movement seems to be directionless and why the movement seems to be directionless. And then all of our rapping and throwing things out there, it uh, really made me think about a book I had had read years ago uh, by a a dear friend of my Abu's, of my father's, who, man, just acted as a mentor to me when the um, opportunity I had to be up under him in, in Cleveland when he was um, a professor at Cleveland State, just a wonderful brother, man, uh, from the intelligentsia in his own right, uh, a scholar, later went from Cleveland State to um, Temple University to head up the Black Studies Department there, 
I'm talking about none other than Dr. Muhammad Ahmed, formerly known as Max Stanford, founder of Ram Revolutionary Action Movement, one of the founders of the Black Guard. I mean, his credentials go on and on. I take up the hour program really just listing his accolades, man. The man is uh, phenomenal for those of us that have studied revolution and just for general black people, I mean, if, you know, for black people in general, just an absolute wonderful brother. All praise due to God. You know what? Overdo my brother like I have done, but all praise be to God. So I'm coming from his book, one of his books. It's called Black Social and Political Thought, Selected Writings. This is actually volume two. This is pretty old. Once I begin to come out of it, I know some of you guys are going to want to get at me and want to get this book. Get at me through our page uh, on Facebook. You can like it. It's the People's Black Panther Party page on Facebook. Uh, if it isn't open to the public, which we should be working on that, then, you know, just send a friend request. We'll have a, someone look into that and get into that as soon as possible. Before I go into the book, though, Sister Seven, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. This Good. is a really exciting topic, um, something that has – something that we've allowed to divide us uh, mm-hmm. in the past, and so I'm real interested to find uh, the angle that you're going to take on this. Okay. Okay. So we start. I'm coming with out of the book again by Dr. Muhammad. Uh, and we'll start there. He says, what is the intelligentsia? Before we go into the black intelligentsia, we need to know from a revolutionary term what this intelligentsia is. The intelligentsia are not in order, bound together by historic vow, but the social stratum, which embraces all kinds of brain work, occupation. They are an interclass group being the brain workers for the, for the class or the ideologists for the class they identify with. Okay, let's go back over that. Let's break it down. Take, we got our time here. They are, the intelligentsia are not in order. It's not a secret society. It's not the Illuminati. It's none of that stuff. They're, uh, it's not, the intelligentsia are just not a fraternity or sorority, though you will find intelligentsia amongst them. Uh, they're not in social groups. The intelligentsia are just not in social groups, though you will find the intelligentsia in these social groups like the Masons and all these other things. <clears throat> it says, but they are a social stratum which embraces all kind of brain work. Basically, they are a class in the social structure. They embrace the, These are the people you will find to be your doctors, and even if not that high up social workers, uh, secretaries, help me out here, Seven. Who would, who would be classified as the intelligentsia in our black communities? Mm, um, and and that's, that's a hard one to do because on one hand, they could say anyone that has, like, this formal education mm-hmm. um, or has, you know, some, sometimes it's divided by economics and sometimes it's divided by education. Um, but it's definitely... Um, those that have been formally educated through one of the universities, even the yeah. the historically yeah. black colleges and universities, is yeah. anyone has had that formal education. Yeah. And yeah. and you know, and when and I'm glad you said that because this brings up a good thing and we'll get into that. He goes into that later. We may not get into it this program. But the intelligentsia also, um, like she says, has that formal education but can come from the informal. They can be like, you know, George Jackson, uh, in, you know, from prison. They become the thinking group. 
definitely formal education because they, they've come from that structure to teach them formulas for thinking, for problem solving, for analyzing, for that. But they can be amongst, you it, You know, we especially black intelligentsia, a lot of times were from our artist class. Like uh, Seven gave a great answer. Sometimes they were from the economic class. Not always formally educated, but a certain economic class made the base of the uh, intelligentsia. Just like a preacher may not, back in the day, may have not been formally educated, but clearly we look to his views, his social and his social analyzation or how he viewed the society and the morals and the ethics and put that into a blending pot of how we went about our day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would have called him from amongst the intelligentsia. And, and if I can say this, you know, part yeah. of the reason yeah. why there's been – uh, why there's so there's so much dismay and, and hard feelings and confusion is because that range is, is a pretty wide range. Mm-hmm. Just because you went to school doesn't necessarily mean that. I think a lot of times people feel like college um, or I'm gonna say education mm-hmm. puts you in another bracket, and and it doesn't necessarily do that. You know, mm-hmm. we hope that it. We hope not that it puts in a different bracket, but a better bracket. You know, we're hoping that the work that we do can get us more this, less that, whatever. But it doesn't always mean that. And and that's where the confusion comes in. You know, I um I have a biracial cousin and mm-hmm. um one identifies as black, that's where she wants to be. The other one identifies as white, that's where she wants to be. But neither are correct. They're both right and wrong, you know. And sometimes when it comes to the education piece, it's the same thing, you know, because you're like, hey, I, I'm black. I'm with the struggle. And the, the, the struggle will tell you, oh, no, you don't know what we're talking about. And it's like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I do. I, you know, I pay my bills at the first of the month, too, you know. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times there's that disconnect because, you know, we're not relating to one another. But honestly, the struggle is the same, you know, the, the, the numbers might be different. We, I think, yeah, exactly. Well, I think that, you know, when, when we began to, and, it, and and like I say, he goes into a little bit of it, but when we began to uh, integrate, when we lost, see, when education and college stopped being the tool to obtain the fruit, at one point in time when, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we were, limited in our participation of what we could do in the so-called society, then college was a tool. College was an instrument to obtain a fruit. You would go back in your community. You would either start your own business, you know, and that thing, that was beginning to, college was a tool to help build that whatever institution to bring the fruits of your labor in. Now, a lot of times when we begin to integrate, and buy into the whole American dream and leave race out of the equation. When we bought into, oh, race isn't a factor, race isn't an issue, we bought into the whole economic class, like you were saying about the intelligentsia, the whole formal education as opposed to a non-formal education, that became the fruit. I went to college. Like, that's going to feed you. You know what I'm saying? That became Uh the fruit. It it no longer Uh was the stick to knock the fruit out of the tree. That became the prize itself. Mm-hmm. Whereas in, back in the days, you know, like we look at Morehouse down here in Atlanta, was right in the middle of the hood. I remember when I moved down here, there was a project called John Hope right there around Morehouse. But when we were segregated, 
our black teachers, our black work professionals were amongst the working class, which were amongst the proletarian, which simply means at times the non-working class, which we have all been there. So we all inter we all intermingled with one another, which we established. So we established that black intelligentsia helped to establish a strong moral and ethic code. But listen, I don't want to uh, sidetrack. I, I I wanted us to um, people to get a feel for what intelligentsia was. And right now we're talking about the generic version of being the the the, the thinkers. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you're on this listening to this program, or if you're even any of these programs that come from this station here, more than likely you're from the intelligentsia. Yeah, okay. But it's just okay. So it's just the thinking, right? Yeah. So you know, it's just I was. Mhm. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I was discussing uh, Willie Lynch with my 13-year-old, and I was just Mm -hmm. explaining to him, hopefully in in, in language that a 13-year-old will understand, how, you know, when we were in bondage, that they did everything to keep us separate from ourselves, to keep Mm -hmm. us, you know, us against them, them against Mm -hmm. those, and Mm -hmm. how, you know, they did, they used things as, as easy and as simple as color, Thing, your workstation, all, all of that, and, all and of everything that good stuff. Like but that. seven, seven, seven. You about to take me off topic? No, that's a hundred percent topic because my thing is that now we're yeah. using education as one of those divisions, oh. and it shouldn't be dividing us. Oh, I, it yeah. should not I be dividing us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I should see that come because you know I get to rapping about Willie Lynch because I'm amazed right. that we still are falling for that. I'm like, yeah. man. Yeah, Man, but, but you're I right. Think, you're absolutely I think right. That's one of the things. You know, my school, Virginia State University, mm-hmm. was founded in 1882. You know, mm-hmm. Willie Lynch was well alive, and it's in Virginia where all of this okay. happened. And so, 100%, they were still creating um, division. And they're like, right. okay, well, we'll work with this little bit of y'all. You know, we're not going to give everybody. Right, everybody right, don't right. get it. So we're going to But everybody, right? Bit. We're going to divide. So creating more division. Right, but let me let me let me go back because I don't want to you know because our, our time is limited and I want to go through I want to make sure that this is a good PE, you know mm-hmm. I'm a li- and it's gonna be pretty I'm, I'm listening to my you know um, listeners and and people that are gonna go back and listen online you're gonna have to a lot of these shows that are coming on because what I love we're doing now we're doing so much variety with with the party and on the parties uh, platform and program by the way this is the People's Black Panther Party for self determination. Uh, you're listening to Chairman Yang and Krumah and our National Director of Operations, Sister Seven. Um, but like I was saying, we're bringing so much variety that mm-hmm. this affords me the opportunity that, boom, I can hit the uh, real political education hard. And it's going to be hard on us, uh, you know, hard on us, because we're so far behind. You know what I'm saying? Um, let, me, let me go. So to get back on track. Our intelligentsia are just our thinking class. We're talking about through this is a general definition of the intelligentsia through all spectrums. In fact, uh, it says because Leonard, uh, uh, Leon Trotsky said because of the spiritual nature of the work that the intelligentsia does, it inevitably be, it inevitably forms a spiritual tie between them and the possessing classes. This is Leon Trotsky. We're going to Trotsky and his relationship with uh, Lenin and the fallout with Stalin and all of that. It's another class. Just remember the name. 
But he was saying, so every revolution, I use him to say that because every revolution or every movement must have an intelligentsia class. It must have a thinking class. It must have a people that have a proper analysis of the situation and not just uh, a proper because no one can say, oh, this is for me, but enough to be amongst the oppressed enough to feel the oppression, but in evolved in the system enough to come up with realistic solutions. I don't know if you get me. Let me let me let me let me say try to break that down. To be from a, amongst the oppressed classes enough to feel the oppression. Like every for me in this case, we're talking about the African in America, the new African, the black man, the black woman here in America. To be from that class. And feel the oppression of that, but to have enough involvement in the system or to be tied up willingly or unwillingly enough in the system to want realistic solutions, what that means is they have a job, they pay taxes, their children in school. It's not the fanatical rhetoric, and no disrespect to none of my brothers and sisters who expel some of this rhetoric that I may think is fanatical and extreme. And then I look at your thing and you ain't working, nigga, you're, you're hopeless and homeless and hungry, and yeah, you're ready to end it all. But all of us have not reached those extremes. So your solutions are very radical and fanatical at times, coming from your from your social uh, social economic condition. There ain't nothing wrong with that because we all been there. I've been at low points. If I'd have had enough nuts to listen to me, probably would have tried some very foolish and stupid stuff. In fact, I have a time or two. Um, so that's under you know it's understandable I'm not saying it's right it's understandable due to social conditioning and engineering but to really have a successful and effective movement you have to have a group of people that have enough vested or invested that the solution to bring about a change when they look at a solution to bring about first they desire a change a realistic change because they say that they're not getting their worth out of their investment, their sweat, their blood, their tears, their labor, you name it. It's They're not getting it out when they're harassed, pulled over, uh, murdered and maimed, their children are um, harassed or murdered or just, you know, anything, wrongful evictions, wrongful convictions, whatever. And these are people, so you know, tax-paying, so-called law-abiding productive members of the American society. And they're going through this. So they won't change. And they're willing to invest and look into bringing about a change, but it has to be realistic. So this is who was saying it. This is what the intelligentsia does. So the intelligentsia that understands this, the people, and I'm going to stop using the word, now I'm just going to say the thinking people that understand this, begin to try to develop a connection between the thinking classes and the masses. This goes back to what Seven was saying, where we find that problem, something as simple as Willie Lynch. When I was coming up, you know what they used to say? Guess what they used to say, Seven, when you got educated? Mm. You're trying to be white. Trying to be white. Mm. What's with that? Um, back in the day, anything that was not uh, 
clearly had by everyone was considered white or something. <laughs> right. You know, you know if, if everybody didn't have it, it was white. If it was something that you shouldn't want for or they wanted to make you feel a certain way about it, it was considered mm-hmm. white. So, you know, that was their way of, you know, trying to take you down a peg. You ain't all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you ain't mm-hmm. all that. Whether you think mm-hmm. you're all that or not, I but need to I, I mean, know that you're not all that. I mean, you know, but being educated or, or talking a certain way or whatever, you know, that whole thing. You know, we ran across it in adult form. They shall remain nameless. But we had an officer at one time uh, when she told him to write it, you know, do it properly. <laughs> he had a fit up to you ain't all that. They got that white man's degree or something. I mean, he just went, <laughs> he just went in on the whole education. He had me feeling bad for going to elementary school. I swear, I'd have dropped out of kindergarten mm-hmm. if I'd have met this dude. When uh, I was he had me feeling like the worst uncle time in the world. For yeah. learning how to read, yeah, you know what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. things that we were killed for. Yeah. He had me feel like we didn't. So I said, "Brother, we don't need to hide the white man." And he, I'm like, Phew. you know, not realizing and, and, that the oldest universities are in Africa, mm, not realizing that Africa mm, has, is known for their educational institutions, mm, and so it's like you know, don't allow them to browbeat you on something that's mm-hmm. positive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's positive. Don't mm-hmm. you speak positive, speaking proper. It's positive. I don't care what you do when you're hanging out with your friends. But, you know, growing up, we could say whatever we wanted to behind closed doors or with our friends. Mm-hmm. But when Miss mm-hmm. Jenkins came, you know, you had to stand up a little straight and say, good morning, Miss Jenkins, how you doing? And everything else like that. You know, you had to be bilingual, trilingual, however long you wanted to. Right, right. You had to learn how to speak to the elders. You had to stand up straight. You had to, you know, you had to be, that was a sign they of respect. Respect. It wasn't, see, and that's what they don't understand. These, you know, young people today, I sound like old heads in my time, y'all young people today. But young people today don't understand that. It's not about conformity. They, we were giving survival skills. Those, were, those were survival skills to be able to compete in a world that you were already discriminated against. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you were already discriminated in, excuse me. You, they knew what we were about to go out there and face, hell, they the ones the dogs were biting, water holes were sick on, were hanging from. We get, we still get murdered. I'm not downplaying uh, Mike Brown. I'm not downplaying Eric Garner. I'm not downplaying uh, uh, Castillo. I'm not downplaying the countless men with Sandra Bland, the countless men and women who are murdered and executed uh, uh, unjustly, you know, at the hands of um, oppressive, suppressive police who are overzealous and wrong. Just outright murderers. Let's call this spade a spade. So I'm not downplaying that. However, comma, in conjunction with, let us not forget that our ancestors, not only were our, their relatives murdered, because our relatives get murdered. Like I said, I'm not downplaying, but the morgue takes them off. Try cutting your folks out of a tree. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Try that. Yeah. Talk about psychological terror. Yeah. Try getting the wagon, yeah. going yeah. cutting your nephew or your son yeah. or your daughter with it out of a yeah. tree. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's like that. And, 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 and the training for it starts young. They got our young not caring about education. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, I, I'm a, I'm up at the school, my children's school, every other day, checking on this, checking on that. Okay. What is this? What is that? Yes. And, and you have... <laughs> 
And old folks, every time they see me, I'm like, I know what you're here doing. You're getting mm-hmm. them right. And I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. sir. Yes, ma'am. I sure getting am. Getting them right. And so, I, I but. I'm intelligent, Yes. But we're, ahead, not, we're not even raising them to do that. I know I was intentionally taught, okay, this is what you're going to say. This is what you're going to do. Yeah. We had to learn our black history speeches. We had to, mm-hmm. I mean, every time we do Malcolm X up in Atlanta, I can't wait for the young the young people to come forward reciting information they know nothing about. They don't know yep. about the struggle. They don't know about these poems. They don't know what it's like to rise after you've been yeah. broken down. They don't yeah. know about yeah. that. But it's beautiful Still, that I they rise. have to learn. Still yeah. they rise, okay? Yeah. You rolled out so of bed to a pop chart. That right. they, okay? <laughs> that's the only rise that they're trying to do, okay? Right. That's the only that's okay. They got to learn right. that. This is part of their training. See, that is those are the ones that will be trained to be the next generation mm-hmm. of intelligentsia, you know. And yes. so they have yes. to learn that still I ride, and they have to learn their Malcolm X speeches and yes. change them. Yes. That is who, yes. That's who the yes. leaders are. I'm worried about yes. the people that don't have the training because I'm sitting here like, okay, little girl who's all of 11 but look like she's about 16, 17. We got to work on this. So, we got to so work on some things, right? We got to work on some things. I got to change your value system. I got to get you mm-hmm. to see what's going on um, and, and really start to not just work on the next generation of intelligentsia, but also work on the other ones. We were at an event, and mm-hmm. there was a little mama. She had to be about 13, and she led the prayers. I, and I, have, I got two boys with me. I said, that's the one that we need to make a wife. She's up there. Uh-oh. She got the prayers, mm-hmm. okay? She knows all mm-hmm. the prayers. She needs to be the wife in the family, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's work on mm-hmm. this. And the boys were like, oh, my goodness. I said, now, are we up to speed on our prayers? What, well, do we mm-hmm. have something to offer to this little one and everything else like that? See, when that intelligentsia is not accidental, and I think that's what people don't realize. That mm-hmm. intelligentsia has been bred from the generation before, and, and they've been and, and, worked on since they were young. Mm-hmm. And it, and it has to be. And it has to be. Okay. Yeah. So, like we said, we talked about them being the, um, like you said, working on young, tying to the masses. <clears throat> yeah. The professor goes on to say the, uh, the black intelligentsia, the black intelligentsia has been alienated from its African roots. Therefore, unlike other potential middle classes, it has not produced an effective leadership that could give revolutionary ideological direction for the African-American nationality. In various movements of the 19th and 20th century, intelligentsias have emerged from the nationalist, potential middle class, or intellectual proletarian, giving a mass ideological direction. Though ideologies vary among intelligentsias, most have been motivated by the ethnic group's national class interests. Okay, boom. So a lot, we said a lot again. That's why we got seven here. <laughs> we'll go back to, and we're going to break, break it down. It says, the black intelligentsia has been alienated from its African roots. Therefore, unlike other potential middle classes, it has not produced an effective leadership that could give revolutionary ideological direction for the African-American nationality, point blank. Um, you know what? Let me, let, 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 let me go there, and then I'm going to skip to this part about it. It says, being brainwashed. Are whitewashed against having African consciousness with everything that it represents. The African American petty bourgeoisie could not develop, or intelligentsia petty bourgeoisie 
could not develop a program around African-American national mass motivation. Psychological alienation led them to seek an economic and political solution that was against the nationality's interests, accommodation of black capitalism. Okay, so what Dr. Muhammad is saying here, he said due to us being alienated from our African roots, therefore, unlike the other middle classes, we didn't produce a leadership that had black people's best interests at heart. Because we have been brainwashed and whitewashed against this African consciousness, we didn't develop a mass motivation, meaning no, um, what is it, self-love, self-motivation, to need to see ourselves as a separate. And two, this is what made the likes of the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey highly effective. You know what I'm saying? This is one of the things he because they had taught us, because of that separation, because of that lack of African consciousness, because everything that associated to Africa could possibly spell out death uh, for us, you know what I'm saying, we've developed accommodation, accommodationist philosophies and theories. Our black intelligentsia did develop accommodation philosophies and theories, which eventually led to black capitalism. Now, do you want to take a stab at breaking some of that down? All right, I'm going to be quiet. I, I, I do want to say there, there are a couple things that were missing because the Africa piece was missing. And one of the mm-hmm. big things that were missing was the woman, you know. And it could be mm-hmm. that I'm just one of the dynamic women out here pumping her fist mm-hmm. and doing my Let's thing. Let's talk about that. But, Let's talk about that. Well, um, that's what I'm saying. Um, you know, we've what do you been mean? so what do you patriotically. Mean okay, so what you're saying is that we didn't have a black connection. We also didn't have female representatives except for the few that we that were out there. We have the Sandy Lou's. We we have the Sojourner Truth. We have those women against all odds that represented. But until, you know, there is a, a welcoming of the woman into the leadership positions, there's not that. You know, because a woman's going to bring in things like, you know, what I bring in every single time is I go to the baby because that's what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what women do. Women are going to think but, about the babies. Women are going to think about the household. Women are going to think about certain things that the men may not put the emphasis or the focus on, and therefore they have a different result in the end. Uh-oh. Now, at, ha- the risk of, <laughs> yeah, at the risk of sticking my foot in the mouth, and remember, this is People's Black Panther okay. Party, uh, Blog Talk Radio, <laughs> Self-determination, press one if you want to jump in. Remember, mm. this is a family show. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I said so, it. Yes, I did, okay? Yes, I did. I, um, said, I said it. Without that no, woman, I, you're going to be all yeah, I, 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 I can agree. I can agree. Mm-hmm. I can agree to a degree. Mm-hmm. I agree to a degree. I think that you're right. The woman is going to do what it takes to survive. Right. You know, and at times though, that can be a detriment. Well, that I can mean, be a detriment. When you talk about yeah, we yeah, can't exactly. be so lopsided. We can't be so what happened is all right, so the black man right now, they have the black man cycling through jail. Cycling. Not just mm-hmm. once, not just twice, cycling through jail. So that leaves the mother overworked, trying to maintain, trying to provide and the kids mm-hmm. are kinda of here and there, right? 
So mm-hmm. now, though, the black vote is all black female. And I'm like, yo, that's not really the black vote. But right now, it is because when you commit a felony, I think um, they you automatically have to give up your right to vote, period. Mm-hmm. Not even mm-hmm. for a period of time. That's for life. Mm-hmm. And so the first mm-hmm. cycle that they get you on, then it takes your, vote, your right to vote. So that means that automatically this system is set up so that the black there is no black male vote. There's not that number is not large enough mm-hmm. for me to even address. So that means mm-hmm. when I'm addressing the black vote, I have to now address black female votes and, and what right. the black woman is after. And mm-hmm. so with that very thing, now we're we're lopsided in the other direction. So you know okay. I think. Uh, my my whole thing has been the family, the black unit. And once mm-hmm. we get that black unit together, we all of the rest of that evens itself out because well, then we're working with both things in place, you know. But if it's mm-hmm. just one or the other, it will be lopsided. It's every time, I think like what yeah. you said when you talk about that black unit, but that that black unit or that black family. Yep. And one of the things yeah, that I challenge, and this is why we're talking about the black of intelligentsia and creating that class or working, not creating that class because we have that class. We have thinkers out there. We have from the artisans what they call the uh, proletarian intelligentsia, those that, like what you were saying, not formally trained. There's actually a revolutionary word for those people, proletarian, uh, uh, the intelligentsia from the pro, amongst the proletarian or proletarian intelligentsia. What we need to begin to do, all right, none of us say what we need, what I suggest, what I'm working on that, brothers and sisters, what I suggest we do is begin to, what I've been screaming all along, begin to defy for ourselves. The whole part of self-determination is being able to defy for yourself. Define black family. Define black family. Once we allow, if we still allow our oppressor to defy on us, you know, um, then we will never ought to defy what success looks like or the goal or what it looks like when you've achieved a black family. You will never achieve that. If you're in a race with someone and they can set the finish line, listen, I have the coldest (laughs) little post. I don't know if you've seen it. If you guys haven't seen it, I don't know if it's still on my Facebook page. You can go to my page, check it out, Yang and Kuma. Look, 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 little black dude, big old white boy. They're tug of war. He's struggling with this big white boy, twice the size. I'm thinking, you know, I don't, I, I don't know what anyone else is thinking, but just looking at this is like, oh man, clearly they, you know, this boy is out size. They wanted him to lose. Anyway, long story short, he basically wins. Pulls this humong- humongous white boy, like. You know, there's something like they in grade school. If I was the boy's father, I want an ID check. It was a big white boy. Pulls the boy across the line, and the teacher moves the finish line. And you just <laughs> see. Have you seen that, Seven? No, I have not. You see the morale just deflate out of It's just cold. It is, it's, it's sad. It's because uh, it's so true. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's a macrocosm of a microcosm. No, it's a microcosm of a macrocosm. It is so true. It's a trip. But anyway, we say all of that to say, until we, uh, you know, if they defy family on the success, you will never reach that mark. If they say family is the 
the the husband and the mama and the man do this and the man do that and the woman do this. You forget about it. Mm-hmm. Forget about it. Yeah, There's you have no... to find what works. You have to find mm-hmm. what works, but we have to find something that's working. You know, the current mm-hmm. status of uh, you know, divorce, the current status of, of single women, you know, the current status of this black vote. We, we've we got to adjust it so that we're coming back where where we have a, a middle, you know what I'm saying? And that's, you know, because the shift is coming, you know, everything mm-hmm. is now women-focused. All mm-hmm. commercials women-focused. Everything that you buy now is women-focused. And, and mm-hmm. so um, – I'm like, where is the balance in this? You know, we've got to get back to the balance because I know, you know, as a woman, you know, part of me kind of, you know, pops my collar. I'm like, hey, you know, it's about mm-hmm. time. These men have been running things forever. Um, but at the same time, I know the dangers of when anything is too one-sided. You know, mm-hmm. we, we run the risk of having the same problems or or different problems but from the same root, and that's mm-hmm. from not being balanced. And so... 100% we've got to get balanced. And we got to start defining intelligentsia and stop letting it be a bad word. You know, stop letting it be a yeah. bad thing. You know, I, I think our communities don't support the intelligentsia. And, mm-hmm. and therefore, the intelligentsia feels, well, I guess I have a new community or I guess I have to make a different absolutely. community. Well, and so. Absolutely. You know, understanding war. You know, this is what I, gets me with these so-called generals. This is why I say we need intelligence. Th- them not understanding the strategies of a protracted war. Get their intelligence here. Keep the removed intelligence here from the masses and make the masses despise the intelligence here. Uh, make the masses cre- uh, uh, create such conditions and situations that it's even, it might even be hostile for your so-called intelligentsia or your so-called petty bourgeoisie or middle class to live amongst the masses of people. And what I mean by that, so when you remove you remove the intelligentsia by offering better jobs, by, you know, just offering them those incentives, incentives that they can't get from amongst their people. And so... Uh, when you do that, when the intelligentsia is removed from the people, the rationale, the sanity is removed from the people. And you have irrational, emotional uh, protagonists and, and uh, agitators leading the people. And one of the things, in order for them to maintain power, in order for the fool to maintain and retain power, is he must make in education the outlaw. The he must outlaw education, make it the enemy. I mean, we see it. This one gets me. This is how I know it's neocolonialism. I tell us we're doing the same thing that we see this European doing. Yes. You know yes, what I'm are. saying? Outlawing yes, education. We <laughs> we're just creating a, you know, uh, basically a different master. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, your mic's open. You know, you make mention about education, mm-hmm. and you're talking about black areas. <clears throat> you know, in the state of Missouri, the statutes say that your curriculum, books, and teachers' instructions or instruction material can be whatever the district wants it to be. 
and that the state board of education and the state uh, other entity over education cannot mandate anything, nor do they have mm-hmm. to buy into any common core. So if the people mm-hmm. in these communities, we talking about black areas, if they don't mm-hmm. take advantage of their responsibility, then whose fault is that? Mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely. It's it's, you can't help but to say it's their fault. You know, absolutely you their fault. Advantage of your responsibility. Yeah, it's absolutely your fault. Especially so, when the law says if, nobody can tell mm-hmm. you otherwise. Mm-hmm. And then here's but another if you point don't know too. What to mm-hmm. teach, hold on, let, let, let me make a point with that because it is your fault if you don't take advantage of every opportunity you have to take over the curriculum. But one of the reasons the law is like that is because those people are probably are. And no, no offense to that to my people out there. I'm not saying all of y'all. But they may already be in such a state that they're not even worried about passing a law like that. You can't teach what you don't know. You can't teach well, what you don't know. They would never you pass have, a law like uh, that in Atlanta. I bet you that. <laughs> you but have organizations, and I'm talking about St. Louis. So you have organizations that know better. You got the Nation of Islam. You know, members of Mars 28 mm-hmm. don't even go to the Muhammad Academy there on Natural Bridge and Garrison. They send their kids to Cardinal Ritter, which uh, whites mm-hmm. complain about that the kids that go there are not Catholic, or they send them out to another mm-hmm. school called uh, CBC. Well, let me tell you one other thing. Mm-hmm. Years ago, decades ago, blacks moved out of the city into the suburbs, mm-hmm. bought homes, and have their property values you know, have increased proportionally. But now what you have is your politics and through these programs are pushing people, blacks, into these areas and they cannot afford, you know, you go in those areas, there's no such thing as free trash Mm -hmm. pickup, a street cleaning. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you kind of understand what I'm saying. Now, I understand people Mm -hmm. have problems. But isn't it not unfair for people who have been there? These blacks are starting to leave because they're seeing their property value drop. And and when you mm-hmm. live in a community where you have over 50%, nearly 50%, City of St. Louis, nearly 50% of its budget for to operate the whole city goes toward mm-hmm. p- public safety, which includes police protection. Now, mm-hmm. they're going to have to raise taxes in order to satisfy the other needs of the city but you got such a lopsided Mm -hmm. expenditure called public safety so people flee those Mm -hmm. areas people flee new Mm -hmm. york Mm -hmm. because of high Mm -hmm. taxes they flee to chicago chicago because of high taxes it's Mm -hmm. a dilemma anyway i won't take up no more of your time it it it, it absolutely is a dilemma this is why i thank you brother for that too but this is you know one of the the reasons that we're talking about affecting change, of yes, it's a dilemma under the core under the current capitalist system. All of those things because everything you're talking about is big business. I mean, just to make it plain, without going, we can get into the words of it. All of that is big business. The privatization of prisons, you know, what I'm saying the politicking uh, and the lobbying of judges and the, the, how crimes have different sentences mandated and how, you know, it's disproportionately unequal to black folks. 
So, I mean, all of those those things you were talking about, like black people are doing, are really symptoms of a condition. I feel you. You know, I'm a taxpayer. You know, uh, I live a regular part of life. I have children. You know, I have a woman I love and, you know, go through to everything. So I go through everything like every other Joe Blow human being goes through and add on to that that I'm an African and American. I'm a black man. So a lot of things that you see those kids are symptoms to a condition. This is why we're saying, but the thing that will save us is self-determination. We have to know that there is an alternative. But before to know, before you can know there's an alternative, we have to know that our thinking isn't right and exact. You're not going to look for an alternative if you think that you're thinking normal. If you like, we talked about the intelligentsia, and this is what makes those brothers and sisters of that particular uh, level of thinking or caliber or whatever you're trying to use. I try to find the least offensive word and the words that bring amongst the, the least divisiveness. I don't like all of these superior, lofty titles. Y'all have to forgive me, man. I'm a dreamer. But it talks about um, our intelligentsia being alienated. From their from themselves, from our past, from our true who we are as a people, and not and having an unrealistic view of who they are and why we were brought here. You see, you didn't all of a sudden because some laws were made to free you, and some laws were put in place to allow your black self to work. That the sentiment of America changed. You were created a nigger class for a reason. You were created a nigger class for a reason. The sentiment of American didn't change. I don't care how many laws they put in place. I don't care what facade, what image they had given you. The very sentiment that made people think it was okay to enslave other human beings and to mistreat, to brutalize, to murder other human beings. There's no law you can put in place that would make a a human being have the temperament to be able to stomach, let alone carry those atrocities out. That is a nature. That is a nature. We talk about, uh, I want to go back and eat. You know what? I'm not going to do it two hours. I got 11 minutes, so I'm not going to. I'm going to put the, the we're going to freestyle these last little 11 minutes. I'm going to put the note in the page. I, I appreciate the caller calling in. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest. I hope the caller calls back in. He dropped off. You know, I'm, I'm talking about you now, brother. You better get back on I'm talking about you. <laughs> I don't know where he was attempting to go. And I was trying to really hear him out. And I heard a lot of, uh, it seemed as if I thought we were about to get to blaming uh, black folk. Now, I don't absolve black people with their responsibility. Like the brother said, if you don't take advantage of every opportunity you have, whose fault is that? That is your fault. But I first have to make sure you know that you have an opportunity to take advantage of. 
See, that's our job. Mm-hmm. Now, we can sit around, and I'm not knocking the brother, but I don't know what he's doing, but we can sit around, we can listen to progressive blog talk radios on the live and be ready to jump into some hot, heated debate about what people are not doing, or we can do our job. We can get on the revolutionary ticket and bring that. Like, if you studied that and you know that, have you not made that aware? I would ask the nation. I'm bad enough. I wish I was in there in the city you were in because I have a report. This is how I know you don't work with people in your city. See, I know the ministers and stuff in my city here in Atlanta. Minister Khan, Minister uh, Eric Muhammad. I mean, from the various, from Lost and Found Nation, from the Real Nation, from the Final Call, and from the various nation Islam, because I'm an activist. I would, so I would ask him, hey, hey, brother, you know, why is it that most of you guys send your kids over one way to another? And then you will find out that it's really like with seven, which we, I, I see now. I'm gonna have to go back. You know what? Seven, I'm going to have to have a, element, a political education one-on-one with the Willie Lynch. Because I'm going to have to go all the yeah. way back there because yeah. clearly you yeah. don't yeah. understand a lot of times what's happening when these organizations, stuff like that, is the Willie Lynch. It's probably some internal politics. They have fell out with somebody somewhere. They're not going to not be Muslim, black Muslims, so they hold on to that. But they have fell out with somebody. It's probably just some BS. I, I would know. love to find out the um, Muslims that send their children to Catholic schools. I, I would love yeah. to meet them. <laughs> we need to have a conversation as, with yeah, these individuals. As opposed to, Not even as a, regular public school, but Catholic yeah, schools. Well, yeah. as opposed to, as yeah. opposed, if you have a nation of Islam school there. But you know what? <laughs> I could see how they would. At I could see how they would at a Catholic school if they didn't have a Muslim school for the discipline. Well, I don't know. Uh, well, that, you know that's something so that's, that's, that's worth looking into. Maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll try to talk to someone and find that out. But, you know, uh-huh. I, you know, um, just saying that to say that I was just wondering where it goes because I don't want us to begin to, be, you know, blame ourselves for symptoms we exhibit. This is why I talk about that uh, when we're talking about the black intelligentsia. This is why it's important for us to do like what you do, Seven, and what I'm saying all of us should do when we get in the schools to really look at uh, a curriculum. Because we're going to go later, we're going to talk about the importance of that because we're going to talk about the dialectics of it and what a dialectic is and the day-to-day operation. So we're going to talk about a lot of that. But why it's important to begin to, to reach out to that thinking class like that and tie them to um, a – a solid, substantial history, black history, and African history, because their solutions, because like they said, these are the ideologists of the African-American masses, whether we accept it or not. You know, Brother Chairman, what you mean, the, ideology, uh, the ideologists of the African masses? Because they are the petty bourgeoisie, because they are the middle class, because they are the, the thinking, the uh, thinking class, the so-called movers and shakers, the world caters to them. What little bit of catering they get. So if you only got five million representing thirty million people, you feel me? That's why they give us so-called black leaders. He must be the black leader. He must. 
they go to our black intelligentsia. And we got these black intel, but we become so reactionary. We've romanticized the movement so much. We're playing so much that we don't put stock in really building up the black intelligentsia, the ide- the uh, um, ideological driving force of the masses of people. Mm-hmm. That see, that's where I would like to put my money. If I if I had a dog in this fight, if mm-hmm. I had a place where I could put my weight at, I'm not going to. You know, what I'm going to do is better equip the intelligentsia rather than have them step out of our communities be like look mm-hmm. you can't step so far away from the people that you that you represent slash the people that you're speaking for whether you ask mm-hmm. to speak for them or not you know so because when you do that then you don't really know what the problem is you know what i'm saying because mm-hmm. you're so removed from the problem you know but that, you, you, know, you can't manage an area and you're not there you have to be there. You have to be involved and influenced because uh, if not, then you're think- you don't even know what the real problem is. You have well, to you be know, there. It's, it's that disconnect on both sides. I had the opportunity to be Absolutely. up there when uh, Ross Barack was running for uh, mayor of Newark, you know, and mm-hmm. all of these promises he made and all of these and hiring these dudes and thugs and stuff like that, and he actually won. He made a lot of promises, did a lot of good. And he actually won. And I had an opportunity to see that from the ground up, and I thought it was very interesting. What was interesting, though, was not to see because it was easy for him to get the grassroots to motivate and to, and to mobilize people to win office. It was holding it down. He had no funding. He had no – so the very shit he was yelling against to get the vote was the same corporations he had to go in there and deal with. Mm-hmm. He had to still sell some of that property still make deals in this because he had no backing and not just lack of economic backing, lack of real participation from the masses. Because I feel like our intelligentsia, like Lenin had said, like I'm Lenin, I keep saying Lenin, like Leon Trotsky said, he said the spiritual nature of the work uh, is that it, it, the spiritual nature of the work forms the tie between the intelligentsia and the possessing classes. You see what I'm saying? It has to be a tie. If, like what you were talking about, Seven, if there's no relatability, if they don't know what's going on, they're not going to have empathy or sympathy for the masses, and the masses are still going to have apathy or indifference towards them and say, really, you're talking like the colonizer, you're dressing like the colonizer. Hell, your solutions even sound like those are colonizer solutions, nigga, you Uncle Tom, fuck education and everything. Excuse my language. The verbiage alert yep. and everything that comes with it. Yep, yep. And, and and then again, then we go throwing out the baby with the bathwater, yeah. like we yeah. do on a regular basis. On a regular mm-hmm. basis, we're throwing mm-hmm. out the whole thing. Up, oh, it smells like white. White doesn't have a smell. Okay, <laughs> just mm-hmm. do what you need mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. But you know, mm-hmm. we are quick once it starts to feel like worse, or it may feel like some discomfort where we want to throw out the whole thing without really recognizing, Hey, this at the end of this discomfort is something positive. There's yeah. something positive on the end of it, but we don't never get to that. Because we it's tedious work. We, we, we're scared of the tedious work. It's tedious work. Self-determination is very tedious. 
like my man uh, Amir, uh, what's his name, uh, Car- Carbell, Carbe- uh, Carbe- well, you know, who said, claim no easy victories. To- I'm just slaughtering that whole place, so I'm going to leave that alone. But anyway, it's not easy work. It's a, when you talk about self-determination, you're talking about rebuilding from nothing, basically. Yeah. Rebuilding from nothing. You have the building materials, but it's a whole new structure. Your blueprint has to be something completely different. It can't be the superiorist capitalist structure that was built off the appropriation of another people's land and the um, stealing of human flesh and the exploitation of their labor. You can't build a system anywhere related to any people talking about anti-oppression based on that concept and theory in the capitalist system model. The American capitalist model has been built on just that. Blood, sweat, tears, exploitation, lies, robbery, you name it. So we have to leave that alone. Having uh, the technology and, and, and stuff, though, so we have some building blocks. But why I say looking at a uh, structure and rebuilding a structure is tedious because then you have to hand pick. You have to address certain things. Like these revolutionaries, let's keep it real. We don't want to address the issue. We're talking about the middle class, we're talking about, here. I'm a working man. Come home from work, have some nice little things. I don't have a lot, let's just say. Nice little car, nice little house. And I got some cats hanging around my house, some, uh, the potential breaking in my neighbor's stuff, or just a bad element. Do I call the police? Don't I call the police? What happens at this point? So there's things that we really have to address in our community that I think we allow ourselves to jump on the sensational stuff. Somebody got murdered, somebody, because it can distract us from the dialectic of what we have, from the day-to-day work that we have to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's intentional. Yeah. <laughs> it's intentional. Yeah. Because it, when we're focused on, you know, being irritated with these dudes at our door and, and not necessarily um, talking to them, so many times we get irritated and frustrated with situations and we haven't even taken the time to say, excuse me, you know, this is my stoop. You know, I, when I come home, mm-hmm. I don't want to walk through you. Go sit on your own stoop, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we haven't taken the time to address it directly. And so what happens is we just move. You know, we just pull our resources out. We pull our um, property tax out. We pull out all the things that can benefit us and actually benefit the little dudes on the stoop. But we just mm-hmm. pull it out rather than to address, hey, I have a problem. I don't want my daughters having to walk through you when mm-hmm. they come home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this, this is we're not doing enough to speak inclusively to them. We're not thinking like family, okay? Because if yeah. you were my little one, I'd be like, boy, get up and open the door mm-hmm. for me because you see I'm mm-hmm. walking through this door. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're not addressing things as family anymore because back in the day it would be nothing for them to, to look at you and say, I know you're about to move and open the door and help me with the rest of these groceries. So, you know, we have to kind of go back to where, you know, we can handle things. We can speak to each other like that. We can speak to each other's kids and say, hey, look, you can't do this, you know. That's, I think, you know what, and that's the beautiful thing. I think that that's the question. And and that's what we're going to leave off with. That's the question. How can we begin? Because we know that that's what we have to do. 
Absolutely. How do we begin to do that realistically? Like I said, I'm a black. I make. I'm an unapologetic, unapologetic black nationalist. I think I believe with the centuries of history we have from being African people. You know what I'm saying? With that alone, we have power. But within the 475 years or 525 years we have been in this country, we have enough of a shared experience, common experience. We have enough amongst ourselves to be classified as a nationality. You have enough. Whether you let's not let them play games or not. Let, I know my Moorish brothers, and I even got some brothers in the nation Islam and people with Afro descendants. Where there's a, we're trying to find it because this devil still got us jumping through hoops trying to find the legal term to classify you so you can get money. This motherfucker, you, you know what you did. You know who we are. Shit, we don't even know who we are. You know. You know what you did. Let's stop playing games. Let's stop playing games. Legal terminology. What are you classified? You can't get, you're not Native American. You can't get none of the Indian stuff, so-called Indian or the Native American stuff, because you're not that. You can't go nowhere in Africa because you're not that. You can't do this. You can't, man, stop playing with me. You know exactly who I am. I'm one of the most dynamic species on the planet Earth based on Genetic manipulation and breeding. Now it's coming back to bite you. You've created a monster, Frankenstein. I'm not going to say he thinks like the white man because I'm not a white man. I couldn't think like the white man. But I think like a strong man that has been oppressed like a white man. Therefore, I know the devil's oppressive thinking. I may not know uh, how he's going to do it when he's going to do it or what he's going to do, but I can warn people there's no measure to what he will not do. So stop it. Let's stop playing this game. For our intelligentsia, step up. You know the real deal. Reconnect yourself. Don't get caught up into the game of what ends up happening with our intelligentsia now, especially those that come into a consciousness. They begin to get caught up in the debate game. They begin to be big wigs. YouTube snatches them up. A million likes. I get likes. That's what my nephew said one time. I get likes. <laughs> he get likes. They begin to get these. They begin. They begin to get you know, and that that becomes their reality. It's a travesty. You know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a travesty. So we have to stop playing. We have to stop allowing these people to play games with us. Step up. We know what we are. And I think that we possess all of those things now, like I said, the, the same shared experience, common experience, to be classified as a nationality. Now we must begin to move as one. And if you know anything of nationality, all nationalities are not comprised of the same religions. They're not comprised of all the same people don't have the same dietary practices. Believe it or not, all Hindus are not, or all Indians are not Hindu. They have you thinking that. 
Some of them are Muslims. Now they just call themselves Pakistanis right. because they have taken a landmass, Pakistan, and have recognized right. that and made that their nationality. They're Indians. Those are the same people. But that's bigger. So so they're but, like, we'll break each other down. In the, yeah. By ourselves, we will separate ourselves. Well, but to you, I'm a Pakistan. And I'm, I'm a Pakistan, Pakistan and, and that's what I do. But that's what I who do. we are in our behind closed doors, you can't separate us. That's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're making so it they're so gonna, that they can't be separated. You know, they all one. So they, I'm trying to divide they, me out. They are all one. That's right. They are all one. I see it all the time. I have brothers I work with that are Muslim. You know, we go out. And every store they go into, I swear, every store, I told them, man, y'all stop doing that, please. Y'all are offending people. Every store. So I want to go back. No, I'm not the Muslim. <laughs> I said, stop doing that to these people. <laughs> you know, it's just, but it's just, you know, that's us as black folks. That's how we think. It's all, we're, we're all in or nothing like that. Understanding our nationality can be based on nationality is, is defined as people who come from the same landmass or da, 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 have the same shared common experience. Was not the ma'afa enough in experience to slave trade, Absolutely. enough in experience to bring us together as an uh, oppressed nation and oppressed nationality? If not, then I say, okay, well, we didn't come over here on slave. We were here before then. Okay. Won't argue that point. Disagree with you, but I won't allow that to be the point of our contention right now. How about this? Is your black ass still in jeopardy of being killed for being black? Uh-huh. Yep. You see? Oh, trust me. If you, okay, so if, it, if, if the answer is yes to that, then we have a shared common experience, at least a shared common interest called survival, brother, sister. So we can move in these ways. We can move in these ways. But begin to think like when we think like a nation then we, and think like a people, then we begin to think continuity. We begin to think longevity. We begin to think generational. And that starts like I'm always quoting, I forget what Asian uh, person said this, but I think it's a wonderful quote. The, the journey of a thousand miles begins one footstep. I know who said that. My boy from Kung Fu, Grasshopper. Did you? But still, it's real. That's You can laugh all you want to say, I'm serious. <laughs> you know, at the beginning of Kung Fu, I forget my man's name, the blind man, be dropping the wisdom. All y'all Kung Fu buffs, feel me out there. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We're dropping them jewels at the beginning. So, that's a jewel. We think generational. We begin to think generational. Once we begin to think generational, we behave in that manner. And behave in that manner means that we will begin to look at our spending. A big one for me. A strong economic base. Big one for me was to, to begin to look at our economics. We'll begin to look at uh, the curriculum in our children's schools. We'll participate more in schools. I like what the brother said, you know, he came on and he was talking about how it's open, they can create their own curriculum if they wanted to. Let's keep it real. See, I like to, you know, my whole thing is let's be real about it. Uh, I don't think in a lot of areas a lot of us are ready to create our own curriculum. And if we had a brother or sister to capable of creating 
a curriculum, I don't think they would have enough people to support them in pushing that curriculum in that district. I'm sorry. I just don't feel like we're organized. That's what we're working towards. I believe we have the potential and the power to do that. Right now, we're not organized enough. So we'll begin to do things. I don't even say you have to go that far. How about just participating? Do they have a PTA there? Do they have a teacher's parents conference night? Just little things like that. And you'd be surprised. A lot of schools do have those things. Yes. are we going to them? You know, that that's really more of the question. Are we involved in the school? You know, we have to look at our schools as more than um, babysitters, you know, yeah. more than a place daycare. to put your child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's not free daycare, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. when you think about it, a lot of our ancestors died for that right. You know, education is mm-hmm. such a big thing for me. Um, and it doesn't have to be formal college education. I'm talking about grade school. This this is this was a right that our ancestors, some of them died for. And yes. so we have to really uphold that and, and see the, the necessity of it and really move forward in it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't I couldn't stress that more. You know, and that's the whole thing, you know, to really take the myth uh around it from around the amongst the intelligentsia, to take the stigma off of the intelligentsia. And even for those brothers and sisters that may consider themselves from amongst the intelligentsia or may possibly be um, the intelligentsia, the spirit of humility, mm-hmm. the spirit of humility, you know, Absolutely. I, Absolutely. It, 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 in, in our effort to identify with anything, we see it in our everyday life, Muslim, Jew, Christian, black, Hebrew, whatever we're trying to identify with to uh, erase the stain of being a nigger and uh, preferably join something that is elevated and lofty. Like I'm always saying on every program, I understand that it's a natural human thing, not to want to be in the muck and the mire. So with all of that, and I forgot where I was going with it, (laughs) well, um, because it's getting late and I'm about to close the show. With all of that thing on (laughs) Saying all of that is when we, oh, humility, thank you, that still coming back to earth, tying ourselves to our history, to where we come from, and not just where we come from, but like point number five of the 10-point platform program says that we want a true history that teaches the decadent nature of the society, black man, black woman, and black man's role in the society. Teaching the true history and the true nature of why African people were brought over here, connecting that, I think will help the black intelligence to come up with realistic solutions. Not only come up with realistic solutions, what I'm hoping it will help the black intelligence to do is begin to endear them to the masses. Begin to endear them to the masses in knowing that what a lot of we're seeing are symptoms to conditions. I hope that it will also help them become appreciative from being able to be from amongst the intelligentsia and not feeling lofty but having humility and at the same time not being ashamed. 
not being ashamed. A lot of times we find our people from the intelligence here not really participating because they, we don't want to be called agents. You know, I've been told, shit, I'm agent-like because of my dialect. I've never heard no stuff like that before, you know, uh, because of our intelligence, because of our occupations, because of any of these things. We can get really alienated, ostracized, and, and in this movement, it's dangerous to be throwing agent labels and stuff like that around. You know, I don't know about you. I'm a revolutionary. I'm not, so I don't play with children. And a lot of these kids, a lot of these people are playing. That's very dangerous to throw that around. Uh, so, you know, we get these brothers and we don't really want to participate. What I'm hoping that this tying our to our history will do will make us see that we must participate, we must get out there, and there's nothing to be ashamed of that we die. Many of our people have died for us to have this right. Listen. I could go on and on and on and on, but I'm going to end with that. Seven, did you want to say anything in our closing? No. It, I thought it was an awesome show. Um, I thought it was balanced. I thought she was great. And, Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I thought it was balanced. You know, we have to – we need both sides to come together and mm-hmm. um, because and stop allowing the others to separate us. So I, I thought it was a wonderful show. I really hope that – is heard and received in um, an energy of uh, love and progression. You know, we got to move forward in some things, mm-hmm. you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I have nothing more to add. I thought it was great. Great, great. Absolutely. And like Kevin says, man, it was, it was always revolutionary love. That's what we do this for. That's what we know there's going to be the energy for it that sustains us through it all is love, love of your people, love of uh, freedom, love of liberty, love of justice and equality and all the things uh, that come with righteousness. Listen. I'm your chairman, Yang and Kuma, Peace Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week, Sunday at 8. I believe it's Chief War. Is it Chief War? Yes. Yeah, yes. Chief War. Mm-hmm. Chief War will, yeah, Chief War will be on there, man. That's, that's going to be entertaining. I know I'm going to have to pop on and my two cents. So check us out uh, next week. Check out the page there again. If it isn't open, send a free request. We'll get out there and just stay, just you know keep us posted. Oh, and plug for recruiting. We are open recruiting. Go through the page. I don't know if we have a contact seven. Is there anything that we can throw out for them for the people that may be interested? Um, they can send a message uh, through either you or, or through the page, and uh, we'll be yeah. back and, with you. And then we'll be having a, a radio program just for recruiting, give you a chance to ask any questions that you may want to ask um, because we have the next group that's coming up fairly soon so in the next month you know express your interest and you know be part of something that's bigger than you you know right on right on okay so with that i leave you all power to oppress people african power to an african people and black power black power One crib, one garden.